T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Folks, welcome to the Back Brief. I'm Rod Rodriguez, and uh, today I am talking with the uh, great Jack Murphy about this week's uh, news, and it has been a week of news. So let's jump in, Jack. Let's talk about PFC Vanessa Ginn. She's still we still got her uh, picture up here uh, with the phone number, and um, you know, even though we have, uh, I believe they have found her. Has, the, has word come out that they have found her? That they believe they have found her, uh, and they are just—I think—they're waiting on like forensic confirmation right now. But but they believe they they have, yeah. Because I I you know I I remember the uh, equine rescue or the search team with the horses. Uh, they found some remains, and uh, the guy came forward and said, "Like we're stopping the search now." Yeah, it was uh, very strange uh, in the sense that that. In that field, they uh, found the remains of a soldier who had gone missing last year. Um, they, the police received an anonymous tip while they were searching for Vanessa, and they went there. They found the remains of this other soldier. Um, and then nearby, within walking distance, they then found a shallow grave um, a, f- a few days later. And they found human remains there, and they sent it off. They, they had sent the remains off for forensic testing. Uh, and, and it has since then been announced by the family that they believe they have found Vanessa's, uh, that, that it was Vanessa's remains, um, that she is deceased. And then yesterday, early morning, 1.30 a.m., the police were moving in on someone they suspect was connected to Vanessa. Uh, and as they moved in on him, um, this, is about, this was about uh, an hour drive from the field where her body was found in Killeen, Texas. Um, as they moved in, this guy shot and killed himself and the, his estranged wife was taken into custody by police, um, that they, they, so they believe she has some connection. So this seems more that this can't be coincidence. I mean, uh, the odds that somebody's going to say, Hey, there's a body here and there's actually two, uh, mm-hmm. what, what are, what are the police saying about this? What are the authorities reporting about? Like the fact that there are two bodies now within walking distance and this guy goes off and shoots himself um i i don't think they've made any sort of statement on that specifically but bef- and i know a lot of people are talking about like what's going on at fort hood is this is this all connected um I, I would just be hesitant about jumping to conclusions on that uh you know i've looked at quite a few missing persons cases over the years and i mean look at the look at the the statistics of the amount of people who disappear in this country each year 
uh, the statistics of Americans who kill themselves each year. It, it's tens of thousands of people. So that two people would wander out into a particular field, um, or I shouldn't say two people. One, one, one was almost certainly murdered and the other may have committed suicide. We don't know for sure. Um, but it's, I would just say, yes, it's a little strange, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. Now, I would normally agree with you on that, but where I kind of run into a problem with that logic is that, yes, thousands of people go missing around the country, but from a military installation, it seems yeah, the number yeah. would be dramatically smaller. Uh, there are so many rules and regulations. Uh, you know, everybody who joins the service, like yourself, we're all told about the, the consequences of AWOL. I've only known in my, you know, 20 years, I've known about four or five people that went AWOL, like legit AWOL, never seen again. They left. Uh, what's funny is I've actually had a couple of those people hit me up on Facebook because they remembered <laughs> me from <laughs> right back in the day. And they're like, hey, remember when I was in the army? You're like, hey, remember you never actually formally left? Uh, you're still <laughs> on the run, bud. Like, I don't think I should talk to you. Uh, but the idea that we've got these multiple uh, missing soldiers from one post, and it seems to me like they just assume there's an uh, an assumption yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. You're missing, you've gone AWOL. Uh, we got a guy right now in the news. I believe they they labeled him a deserter, and his body was found. The government is saying we don't owe you a military funeral. A funeral. We don't owe you transporting the, the the body the remains we don't owe you anything because he's a deserter and the family saying well wait a minute there's a problem here there, th this is a potential homicide um you know what what are your thoughts on kind of the government stance on like well people go missing all the time and it's just so what yeah yeah well yeah you're right i mean maybe i i think it is something that maybe they need to take a look at and potentially revise that when someone goes missing off a military base the standard assumption is that they're absent without leave, uh, uh, unless presumed otherwise. Whereas in, in the civilian world, they would be a missing persons case, right? Um, and the, the, the nature of those two things is drastically different. So the, the other soldier who was found in that field was Private uh, Gregory Weddell Morales. Uh, and um, he went missing in 2019. And then the remains of what is suspected to be uh, Vanessa not far away. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are going to have to be overhauled and looked at. Um, one of them being SHARP, uh, the program for soldiers to report sexual harassment, sexual assault. Uh, and, and that has just been fraught with problems. Um, I hear from female soldiers to this day that it's, it's uh, just a disaster and no one trusts it. Um, How so, can it be a disaster? I mean, we, we, we talk about the SHARP program and, you know, it's basically you're going to your unit. I mean, you're, you're, you're putting yourself in a position where right, it, is, right. it is a self-licking ice cream cone. They investigate yes. themselves or the organization investigates itself. Uh, it, of course, it's going to be a, a, a problem. And I can't mm -hmm. believe that it ta it's taken this long for folks to go, hey, wait a minute. Uh, maybe we have an issue in the fact that women and men alike don't want to leverage this program because they feel it will come back to them. And it, it has come back. I mean, we've got, there have been numerous cases of people that have reported who said, hey, I, I, I want to keep this quiet. And then suddenly they're at a safety brief and they're like talking to them without talking to them. You know, that like foot stomp kind of like, 
you know, if you have a problem, maybe you should talk to somebody that, you know, talk to the person directly instead of going to report to the authorities. Uh, that has been a, a, an issue with the CYA idea, the concept of cover your own ass when it comes to the army. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a unique facet of the military that, you know, we have these things in, in America um, to begin with. I mean, everyone is familiar, I think, at this point that with um, uh, through the Me Too movement and things like this, that women have a lot of hesitation about coming forward to the police, that they're, they're not going to be believed. Uh, and those dynamics exist. But then within the military, it's even stronger because of what you just said, that you know, it's as if, you know, you work for a company and you're going to the company's private investigator to investigate that company, um, as opposed to going to an outside law enforcement organization that's going to look at the case. Uh, so you run into, I mean, I think just the de facto response from the U.S. military is, how do we make this go away? Like, this could sabotage careers, Heads, heads could roll, careers could roll for this. How do we just make it all go away? And, and I mean, I've worked on stories myself in the past. Uh, in one case where a soldier was sat down by the battalion or the brigade command sergeant major and, and commander and said, how can we make this go away? What can we do for you to make this go away? And then they ignored that soldier, of course, and they both went on other assignments. And that really comes back down to the, the structure that is, yeah. you know, the installation commander's relationship with the different subordinate commands, and then those, you know, the bigger structure. What it boils down, and they all they all went to West Point together, like they're all patting each other on the, you know, taking care of one another, right? And it's amazing. It's amazing if you look at when these cover ups happen at, at a lower level, and then where those officers end up working together at higher levels down the line, and they follow each other along because they're locked in with one another because they both have dirt on each other. And this isn't like conspiracy theory hour at Connecting Vets. This isn't us putting our tinfoil hat. This is legit follow the lines, follow the trails, and you're going to find that there are people interlinked. In, the relationships are really there. You know, my own mother was asking me about, you know, well, why, you know, she thought this young lady would be uh, protected inside of a military base that the army had yeah. a structure and i said i had to break it to her and i'm like i hate to break your your uh your idea of the army but the fact is that everybody is looking out for their careers they're looking out for themselves they're looking out for some folks that are inside of that their own cohorts the fact is that if i'm a if i'm a company commander and I have a soldier who brings a sexual assault case to me, this, no matter how you spin it, and I know there are gonna be, there's gonna be officers out there who will come back and be like, that is not true, but it kind of is. Uh, it, it is a poor reflection on me as the company commander. If that happens in my company, the question from my boss, from my battalion commander is gonna be like, how did you let this happen in your company? Right, right. Then the brigade is going to look at the battalion commander. How did you let this happen in your battalion? And it just keeps going up and going up. So at, at that point, when there is no incentive, no protection for the people at the lowest level to say, I had a problem happen, and it is not my fault. It's not always the commander's fault. Right. It's, but it's a zero defect environment. So th exactly. that, goes on, that goes on your officer evaluation report and their, their career is scuttled. Whether or not they did the, uh, the right thing or not, and it becomes a scenario where the cover-up, the conspiracy, is worse than the crime itself. 
because now you're doing this injustice to this uh, soldier all over again, but also all the other soldiers out there who have been assaulted and want to come forward and report it. They're not going to because they see how this thing goes. And I mean, again, you're, you're right, Rod, like this is not tinfoil hat stuff. You look at the death of Mavina Johnson in 2005 in Iraq, where this girl, this female soldier, uh, her death was ruled as a suicide initially. And then it turned out she had, she was murdered and she was, gen her genitals were mutilated to try to cover up a rape, like all sorts of, you can go look this up. Like it, it's an insane case and there's never been any justice for it to this day. I was reading about another one uh, today um, that the military IG has finally reopened this case. It was the death of uh, Kamisha Block uh, in 2007, um, where uh, she was allegedly uh, in a relationship with a older soldier and he was having some sort of mental breakdown and uh, he shot and killed her, shot her like five times and then he shot and killed himself, committed suicide. And the military was like lied about this case front to back and now the family is calling for justice on it. Like they misreported it. I mean, it's like crazy stuff where they're like, yeah, it was a tragic case of, of friendly fire. And then when the body res returns uh, to the United States and the family is able to look at it, they see she shot five times the medic is lying to them saying that he had to cut off her body armor to treat her. She wasn't wearing body armor. She was shot clean through, through the chest five times. Like it's, it's, uh, it's surreal to the point that it's almost difficult to believe. And I think it's the insular nation, the insular nature of the military of the army itself that allows these things to snowball and get bigger and bigger um, and to be covered up in a way that perhaps you wouldn't necessarily find in, you know, the, the civilian police departments. But even that's up for grabs these days with, with yeah. everything we've seen um, well, happening I mean, recently. I mean, look at, look at it from, a, let's, let's narrow the focus down a little bit. Let's, like, let, let's take it from rape, which is really up there in the, you know, world of scumbag things to do. Um, a DUI. A DUI. How many of my fellow former enlisted and currently enlisted folks out there have been told or had to go in front of the man, go in front of the first sergeant, go in front of the sergeant major, because your soldier got a DUI. Like, wait a minute. Why am I getting yelled at for this? Why is this my right, right. That soldier decided to make a grown-up decision and go get a DUI. I can only tell you folks to call me. I can give you my phone number, my email address, and assure you that, that we will take care of it. I will help you. If you need a ride home, call me at 2 a.m., I'll take you home, but you still drive your, your car, you drive drunk, you get caught, you get imprisoned, whatever, but yet it still falls on you. Yeah, and how is that the platoon sergeant's fault that that guy got drunk off his ass and got behind the wheel of a car? And that's how the military infantilizes soldiers. That is exactly right. Yeah, and, and it keeps you in this infantilized state because if that guy, if that young soldier was, let's say, in college and he got a DUI, he has to go pay the man himself. Like he has to go in front of court, go in front of judge. He has to pay the consequences of that. But in the military, uh, it, it's not that they don't that they won't have to go in front of court. But the military, like like punishes the entire chain of command for that as well. So it creates this this situation where um, there's like it, uh, I think what you were getting at that there's this incentive to cover it up. There is make, absolutely make it go away. Yeah. There is absolutely incentives to cover things up because if you come for, look, I have never, how many times 
have people trying to do the right thing and they get smashed screwed they get completely screwed uh you've got whistleblowers uh the the guy who who, the mamadilla murders in iraq he came forward and was like hey these guys committed a freaking crime like the multiple murders that dude was destroyed i mean just just crucified well, look at uh, that story the Washington Post published today about Clint Lawrence and what happened to, you know, they interviewed about 15 soldiers in that platoon. And Lawrence was a guy who was convicted of war crimes in Afghanistan, sentenced to 19 years in prison. So this is a case where the military justice system did its job, right? Um, and then President Trump decided to pardon uh, this soldier for reasons that kind of baffled the mind. And the Washington Post interviewed about 15 members of the platoon and it's like, like they're just crushed. They're just destroyed. They're like, you know, not only did we go through this traumatic experience where our leader was ordering us to murder people, but on top of that, the only solace we had was that, you know, there was some, there was some measure of justice carried out that this guy was put in prison. And then the president decides to pardon him because, you know, Fox and Friends says, says he should. Um, and, and it's just, you know, very depressing how, you know, the soldiers' lives that, you know, these human souls are just kind of ground through. You know, I think that we're seeing, and, and I know a lot of folks are talking about like, well, why hasn't this been a problem in the past? Why are, why are we just hearing about it now? And I think it has everything to do with social media. It has our ability. It's, it's about our ability to communicate uh, when we are pushed into a corner. Vanessa Guillen's family had nowhere to turn. Mm-hmm. You know, they had nowhere to turn. CID is telling, we're doing our best, we're doing our best, doing our best. But if you don't understand the military structure, if you don't understand this animal that is the military or the army, um, you're not going to know who to talk to. You're not going to know if you're talking to the right person. Uh, you don't know what the ranks mean. You don't know what their positions actually mean. Who runs the show? Who is the decision maker that is going to make things happen? We went from... She's just a missing person. Nobody cared to. We are deploying units outside the gate to comb the area. The question now is why? Why did it take this long? Why did it take all of this to do that? And now there's almost like, okay, we're calling the search off. Maybe we shouldn't call the search off. Maybe we need to do a hands across Colleen and search all of these uh, abandoned lots, all of these places for remains now. And that is a grisly, that is a, a disturbing and terrible notion that we have to now consider yeah. searching for dead people around our own military. But again, let's, let's move, let's expand that vision out. How great are military towns? Uh, in general, I mean, they're pretty rough, you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've never been to Fort Hood. I've heard it's pretty rough, uh, you know, outside Fort Benning, Fort Bragg. Yeah, pretty rough areas. I mean, there is something to be said about the toxicity of the environments around a military yeah. base. Oh, yeah. You, there yeah. is nobody. And it's funny because I, I think this is a problem primarily. I don't know about the Marine Corps. Uh, I've been at Quantico. It's pretty nice. Um, 29 Palms, maybe not so much. Uh, Army bases, with the exception of a handful, I'd have to say like 
the Presidio at Monterey Bay, probably the nicest place and best community outside of, a, of the gates of a military. But to your point, go visit the community as outside of uh, Fort Bragg, Fayetteville, often refer, you know, commonly referred to as Vietnam for good reasons. Uh, Colleen, I used to joke that Colleen puts the kill back in Colleen because it, it kind of does. There ain't nothing clean about Colleen. That place is in desperate need of help. And I think there's a desperation with some of these, these cities that grow up around them because they know that they depend on yeah. that economy. And they are more likely to let that military base get away with murder. Maybe, maybe that's right on the money. Um, than it is to risk losing their clientele, risk losing their patronage. I have seen businesses go under. The minute that commander says, this is off post, off post, yeah. this is off limits. This business you will not go to. Boom, they're gone, dead tomorrow. That business is not going to exist anymore. There is a systematic problem here. There's a problem. And I think that you're, you're hit, you're, you hit on it with, you know, not just PFC Guillen, you hit on it with these other soldiers who so easy to slap on the word suicide. So we just slap that on there until you start looking at the facts and where the nexus is of, of relationships intersect. And we go, wait a minute, why is this guy connected with this guy? And they were at the same post when this thing happened. And it just happened. He was the battalion commander. He was a, a, a company commander. Or they were both company commanders or whatnot. I, I don't want to believe that about my own military. No. Um, and that's why those guys uh, who are in Lawrence's platoon are so traumatized. Uh, you know, none of us want to believe these kinds of things. Uh, there are things that I've covered as a reporter, you know, after leaving the military that like, I was just shocked. I was like, like that can't be real. Like that can't possibly exist. Um, to the point that like you start thinking you're going crazy at some point. Cause you're like this, what what am i what am i even hearing right now and the victims also they're of course the same way they're starting to like you know feel like they're they're losing their minds um because they're you know at the end of the day it's like there's a, a spiritual uh war going on inside you about you know the, the, there's this vision you have of what's right and then there's what's actually happening and, and the two things you can't reconcile them I want to talk in, about another story that was breaking uh, this week about the Boog Boys. And we talked about it during the last back brief, very briefly, uh, the Boogaloo. The Boogaloo is coming and the Boog Boys and whatnot. Um, talk to me a little bit about, uh, kind of, you know, tell me about what the Boog Boys are and why were they in the news this week, man? Yes. Uh, let me pull this up real quick. Sure. And I will tell you, you know, while you're pulling that up, man, here we go. This has been something that I've been very interested in. And I have, I have spoken out on my own social media platforms against this Boogaloo concept. Uh, the idea, the notion that service members are uh, getting out and joking about revolutionary wars, joking about uh, shooting police or federal agents, uh, it's not the best light to cast on our veteran community. Yeah. But Jack, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about who these, what this movement is, what is it, and who are these people? 
Oh, so the the Boogaloo Boys are yet another internet meme that is now projected into reality. Um, another group of people that coalesce around, you know, forums and, and social media uh, around a, a affinity network, as it were, um, that involve, I mean, it, it starts off as a joke, essentially. And for most of the people who are attracted to this Boogaloo meme, it is a joke. Uh, it's not something they, they would act upon. Um, but some people have. And uh, essentially what it is, and, and this, this gets complicated and difficult to explain, um, largely because it's not really a movement per se. It, it's, a, it's not really an organization. It's not like there's a general boogaloo at the top, right? It's a bunch of people, an affinity network online that they make memes and they share this kind of common ideal. Um, and it, it's around the idea that, you know, there could be or would be at some point a second American civil war or a uh, revolutionary war that, you know, we're going to take back power from the government and we're going to return it to the hands of the people. Um, so it has a very a, a notion. Um, it, it, it's seated in kind of this traditional idea around American rebellion that we're a, company, a country born out of rebellion. Uh, and for some people, it's just that, but for others, the, it goes quite a bit further and it starts talking about, you know, they start talking about shooting law enforcement officers. They start talking about wage of warfare against the government and all this other kind of stuff. And some people have acted on it. Um, there's one guy who's an air force security guard who shot and killed a number of law enforcement officers. Um, there was a plot in Las Vegas that was broke up recently by people who were attracted to this boogaloo meme. Um, so it, it's, has a small group of people within it, within who, who share this affinity, who use it for violence and uh, are attracted to the most violent aspects of this and, and seek to project that out, out into the real world. And because of that, um, well, because of that, and also because of some of the protests we've seen all around the country lately, some of the people who show up are the Boogaloo Boys, and they're pretty easy to spot because they're wearing their body armor and they're carrying an AR-15 <laughs> rifle. And under that, they're wearing a, a, an Aloha Hawaiian shirt. So you can spot them from a million miles away. And uh, those people who showed up at the protests, I mean, as far as I know, they haven't hurt anyone. Um, but it becomes very visible. And now the press starts looking at them. Suddenly, the, the media discovered the Boogaloo like literally two weeks ago. They had no idea this even existed. And now they're jumping all over it and they're saying they're white supremacists and it's an extreme right wing group and all this other stuff that like isn't necessarily true. Um, I was reading a story in the New York Times today all about it where they had like this uh, like right wing extremist expert like analyzing like, well, costumes play prominently in right-wing extremist groups going back to the Ku Klux Klan and today they, they dress up like Vikings and it's like oh my god please stop but it is a it is a thing you could say it's it a is thing. a thing and uh some of the people who are attracted to this meme are violent um just as some people who are attracted to Antifa are violent some people who are attracted to uh other other memes and other movements um, turn violent, unfortunately. But folks need to understand that there's a level of responsibility you have to take uh, when you're talking about memes and when you're going to be part of a meme or whatnot. Uh, yes, there's a point where a joke can get too real. Uh, and, and where is that line? And, and none of us really know. I, I, right? think, I, I think we know. I think we know. I, I think that if you have a, some common sense, 
you know that the line in Boogaloo stuff and shooting people and killing people of different opinions, um, you know there's a point where you're like, oh, again, this is not tasteful anymore. This is even funny. I, I, I would agree. I would absolutely agree with you. And, and I would never post things like that or write things like that. I don't even believe things like that. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to joke about it. Right. Um, and I think you're right that, you know, when you're, especially if you're a veteran, um, just speaking to the choir here, that we have a greater responsibility than that, because um, how can, what's a, another, like, like another way I could put it. So let's say like racial epithets, like, you know, white kids hear black rappers using certain words that's probably they shouldn't use, but they think it's okay because they heard this guy over there saying it, right? Um, when a bunch of civilians out there who are looking for some tribe to belong to see veterans and people they look up to, you know, uh, you know, former special ops guys using this boogaloo meme as a joke, they look to it and they see it as something they could see it as something that's real. Well, it, uh, but, the, but the term itself came from the, the combat arms. Like a boogaloo is, I mean, you can go back the word. I, I think, I don't know how far back that word goes, but I mean, if anybody's uh, familiar with breakdancing, uh, break dance, electric yeah. boogaloo. Yeah. Uh, by the way, fantastic movie. Go rent it this weekend. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> God bless the robot in that movie. What was his name? Uh, God, I can't remember this, the kid's name, the one that did the really cool robot dance. But anyways, I digress. Uh, yes, it, it, it was meant to be, uh, you know, you're about to go do the boogaloo on the bad guy. Uh, I think that what ended up happening was a bunch of SF wannabes, a bunch of dorks who felt slighted in their careers like i never got to be a special forces guy i never got to wear, wear a ranger tab look dude i never got to wear a special forces tab or ranger tab um i'm good with it i think i made a good career choice in my life it doesn't mean i you don't have to lie rod it's okay you don't i actually have a stolen valor suit uh complete setup in my closet i wear i wear it around the house <laughs> my ranger tab, my president's hundred the whole nine yards uh but it's true i think a lot of people I think a lot of this boogaloo crap come, came from these dudes who got out after three years or never went in uh, because, you know, I had this medical condition, my, my knee, high school football. They grow the beard, they buy the gear, and they suddenly want to talk your lingo. They want to talk the, lang the lingo of the warrior. Uh, they want to be in on the joke, and they're like, boogaloo this, boogaloo that. And now you end up uh, misrepresenting a good chunk of veterans. And then you bring in the, the assholes. I mean, let's just face it. There are some assholes out there who are racist, who yeah, are yeah. pieces of shit. And they come forward and they're like, well, uh, I'm a boogaloo, boogaloo this, boogaloo that. Yeah, yeah, Also hate black people. Like, what the, what? Yeah, they, they can use it for recruiting by, by co-opting that, that persona and then kind of ramping people from one thing. Like you start there with like the joke memes and then you use that to recruit them into, you know, the hardcore neo-Nazi stuff. I, I mean, and yeah, that, that could happen. And before you know it, you're, you're trying to join the, uh, the 12 rings of Satan and um, you're, try you're selling out your unit. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, you it's know, not it's- funny, uh, but God damn it, it's too, it, it's ridiculous, right? It, yeah, no, it, it is ridiculous, but it, it's also part of, um, it, it's just a larger phenomena that is happening uh, across the country and has been for, you know, at least a decade. Everyone's looking for some sort of a tribe. They're looking, for, they, they want to feel cool. They want to feel like they belong to this thing that nobody else has, right? 
everyone is looking for that. And I've been, you know, working, doing this job long enough. I see these types of personalities. Five years ago, some of them went off to join ISIS. Some of them went off to join the Kurds and fight with the YPG. They were people like looking for something. They wanted to belong to something. Now uh, you see people, some of them run off and they, they join Antifa. Others join and uh, do the Boogaloo thing. It's like everyone's looking for this like weird internet subculture that they can belong to. And on the surface of it, I think it's, that's okay, right? I don't have a problem with people who want to dress up like Jimmy Buffett out at the shooting range on the weekend. Um, but any of those things can potentially escalate into something else. And uh, that's just what you have to keep in mind with that. And, and then the reason why I point this out is because the boogaloo meme, it's probably already over. Like because of all this media attention, they're probably going to move away from that and Facebook cracked down on them really hard this last week, shutting down all the, the um, groups and profiles on Facebook. So they're going to move on to a new meme. Like the same type of personality is just going to drift over to a new meme. And the press is going to take like another like couple of years to catch up with it. Like, oh, my God, this is what they're doing now. hundred <laughs> percent. And it, there will be a new meme, uh, SpongeBob or Squidward. Or, uh, you know, the, the SF guys will come out with some new nonsense word that means something and then uh, it'll make its way into Call of Duty. Uh, before we call it... I, I think it's going to be the guy with the pink polo shirt now. I think that's <laughs> going to be the new one. They're all going to wear pink polo shirts. Let's do it. I, you know, it's so funny because, like, I came from an environment where it was, like, uh, Hawaiian shirt Fridays and I was just like, what are we doing? <laughs> was, it, wanna... was it the cultural appropriation that you didn't feel right with? It was absolutely, I was like, does this mean I'm SF too? And they're like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll just wear my, my cool shirt. Um, I want to read, and, and this just came across my feed. So as I'm talking to you, I'm watching my feed over here on Connecting Vets. Uh, this is a message that was left on uh, one of our stories on Vanessa Guillen. Okay. And this is from Maggie Rhodes. And she wrote, people need to stop blaming the army. We have this thing in the army called personal courage as in the personal courage to stand up for yourself the army didn't kill vanessa again and her family is trying to push this agenda because they're hurting inside as a female you always have to watch your six build alliances know who to trust and know that people will help you but you have to say something first off if no one is listening go higher there is so much wrong with that there's so much wrong with what with, with with this. Now, I will say Maggie, I think you're coming at this with a good place in your heart. I I I think I understand what you're trying to say. I really do. I I I don't go poo-poo on people's uh posts necessarily and I'm bringing this up because I think you bring up some good points. The first of which and I, I just want to cover this one last bit. As a female, you always have to watch your six, build alliances, know who to trust, and know that people will help you, but you have to say something first off. You always have to watch your six, build alliances. Um, Jack, I don't know about you. As a guy, I have never thought that I had to watch my six right. as a man. Now, as a soldier in terms of being like sexually assaulted or something like right, that, like, right. And the, 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 
No, you're right. It's a totally different experience. Although I would point out, I've also worked on stories where there's male sexual assault happening. hundred percent. Male soldiers. Um, that, that, that's out there, um, sadly. But yeah, it's, it's a totally different environment. Um, and it's also, you know, you're talking about a, uh, a young woman uh, in the military, low ranking inside this hierarchical structure where there are all these uh, people appointed over, over you, that, like that sort of command structure that doesn't exist in the civilian world. And all of that can um, make a, 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 in this case, a young female soldier hesitant to speak out. Um, however, I, I would agree that as hard as it is, um, those soldiers who are being harassed, who are being assaulted, they should speak out and they, they should go to Sharp or whatever, whatever processes are out there. Um, because as fucked up as those systems are, th it is the system we have to work with. And the only way we can fix it is if those victims work with the system, go through it and like take it by the hand and force it to work. And I know I'm placing the onus on the victim. That's a, it's a horrible thing that I'm saying. Uh, I'm like asking them to, after everything they've been through to jump on the hand grenade, like go in there, go into the office, raise a ruckus, uh, you know, make the system work for you, make it work for these other victims. But this is the only system we have. And if those female soldiers don't speak out, and I understand why they might not want to, but if they don't speak out, then none of us have the opportunity to reform the system because it looks like it's working. On paper, it looks like it's working. But here's the problem with this statement. It, it, you know, we have this thing in the army called personal courage. Uh, yeah, personal courage sounds good. I mean, that's a great bumper sticker. Uh, yeah, yeah. But let's be honest with ourselves. And I will speak from personal experience here. I had a problem in the army as a warrant officer. And I took it up the chain of command. And I got slammed as a <laughs> fucking warrant officer. I got slammed. It was like, wait a minute. Why am I? Wait, wait, wait. I, I'm bringing up a problem. I'm bringing up an issue that we, as an army, as a group, as an organization, we need to be aware of. And they told you to shut the fuck up? Oh, they told me to shut, not just shut the fuck up, but also, here's some bullshit. Like, I, as a warrant, I got punished. Now, not officially, never put on paper, but I got brought into discussions where it was like very clear that I was creating a problem. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, on. you're the problem. I'm you're the, the problem, problem, Rod. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, imagine you're a PFC mm -hmm. and you are bringing a potentially career ending problem to the guy whose career could end. What chance and she, do you have? And she's a private, she's 20 years old. Get she's a young woman. She doesn't have a lot of experience in the military. Doesn't have a lot of experience in life, which, you know, it's not her fault. She's just young. Personal courage is just, personal courage in that situation is showing up to fucking work that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's personal courage, showing up to work and being able to see that psycho who's stalking you, who's potentially yeah. hurt you in the past, and looking at this person going, Roger Sergeant, no Sergeant. Which that, I know for a fact happens where they are kept in the same happened. office. Yeah, You know that's happened, 150%. And that piece of shit knows that he's protected. And I've seen these awkward, and I, I look back on my military career and I think about these exchanges that I saw and I'm like, is that something? Yeah, yeah. 
what should I have said something? Like I didn't have any proof, but that was an awkward exchange. You, you didn't like, know what you didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And now I look back and I'm like, man, I wonder, I wonder what, what I was actually watching. So right. I read this and yes, Maggie, I get it. Uh, watch your six, build alliances and know who to trust. But at the same time, understand that your description sounds like a, like a video game strategy, like build alliances, uh, watch your six and know who to trust. Yes, those are all important things to do, to do in life in general. But when we're talking about a specific gender that can't, that has to do these things to survive, that I don't have to do to survive necessarily. Now, as a man, should I know who do, should I watch my six? I think I should watch my six all the time, but I'm not doing that out of fear. I don't, I've never once left my home by myself to go to an event and worry about being raped. Not yeah. I've never walked the street by myself in a strange town worrying like, oh shit, I hope I don't, hope somebody doesn't come out of the alley and rape me are you fucking kidding me like, yeah that, that's one of the life. things that that's one of those things that you know male soldiers often don't understand and uh you know i was thinking back on my my time in the military as well at one point and i remember when i was uh when i was a soldier uh, i remember being at a party with this girl who was i think intoxicated if not more than that and she actually dragged me down to the ground and like it was like biting me and stuff and like like grabbing my crotch and all sorts of things um and i mean she was assaulting me yes um you know to put it frankly now the difference is that there was zero chance that that girl was going to grab me by the throat and hold me down and rape me. like that was never going to happen um and, and so you know we, we threw In fact, you know, that story, got her out of it. that story you just told me is something you and i would laugh about that's something you and I would sit, you would tell me that story and we'd be like, are you serious? Oh, dude, that's crazy. If, because, oh, because it could not go further it than It could that. not yeah. happen. Yeah, the, the, the serious consequence of that is not, it just non-existent, non-existent. That's why we could potentially laugh at that. But if that's the story your sister was telling you. Right, totally different. Totally yeah. different story. Now it's like, yeah. who the fuck is this dude? Where do we find him? Let's call the boys up. You want the, con the consequences are just so much different and so much higher. And um, now we bring in the boogaloo. That's when we, that's when we go boogaloo. Um, yes, the consequences do matter. I, I do have to disagree with Maggie Rose. I think that there is a lot of personal courage involved here. And as far as the family holding the army accountable, yes, the army should be held accountable. The absolute truth, the army should be held accountable. And the reason for that, I'm going to go as far as to say is, if you're going to live by the sword and, that, and die by the sword, if you're going to hold a commander accountable for what somebody does that on his own time, that has nothing to do with the commander, has nothing to do with the first one, has nothing to do with any person in that unit, the army needs to be held accountable. The army should be held accountable for itself, for the way it investigates. Now, right. I'm not saying this investigation was botched. I don't know enough about it. I know... Uh, there are some amazing law enforcement uh, officers and military folk and civilian folks that are attacking the problem. They're trying to figure out who did what. But there is obviously, you don't have to be, uh, you know, Perry Mason to figure out there's a freaking problem here. The Army needs to be held accountable. The Army has to account for itself 
the army has some uh, some explaining to do this family, even if it's an apology, even if it's a, hey, you know what? We did not handle this correctly at the beginning because we thought she was AWOL. You know, you, it, that's a possibility. It's an opportunity for reform. And the sexual assault issue has been like plaguing the military for a couple of decades now that, that in that it becomes increasingly visible and the military either can't or won't address the problem in meaningful ways. Um, it, it's kind of astounding. And that, you know, there are so many soldiers who to this day, they just don't trust Sharp. They don't trust the process. Um, there needs to be more meaningful reform. And I think there is a strong case to be made that these units should not be investigating themselves. These commands should not be investigating themselves. That is not how it should work. 100%. Jack, thanks for joining me on this week's Back Brief, man. I really appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, tell us where we can find you and your stories. Where can we learn more about Jack Murphy? Uh, well, there's, uh, there's a whole website, uh, jackmurphywrites.com, that if you want to take a look at that, and there's some, you know, you, you'd be bored to tears reading my biography, but there, there's some uh, stuff I've written on there as well. Uh, and then I'm on Twitter at jackmurphyrgr. And the RGR stands for Roger, right? That's right. right. I don't know. You know, Roger was a nice guy I met down at Fort Bragg. Yeah. Jack Murphy, the amazing Special Forces Ranger, uh, magnificent uh, turned investigative journalist. Journalist? Are you, would you consider yourself an investigative journalist? Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of investigating. I interview a lot of people and try to break stories as you, best I can. And you have a podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. I do a, a weekly podcast and live stream called The Team House that you can find on YouTube and iTunes, interviewing uh, members of the intelligence community and uh, special operations. Boom. There you go, folks. Make sure you check out uh, Jack's awesome podcast. Dude, he's got, I'm going to be honest with you folks, and this is not because Jack's on here. Uh, there are some crazy guests this guy gets. I don't know yeah. who these people are. So I'm like, what? Uh, like out of the shadows people come out and they're uh, case officers or i think you had a u.n weapons inspector on yeah on yep. uh amazing guests and make sure you check us out connectingvets.com that's connecting connecting vets i can't speak connectingvets.com we're part of radio.com come check us out we do vet story i just released a new episode of vet story today and uh it's one i think you're gonna be interested in from uh fighting saddam hussein to american success Kadim Al-Wiley is the real deal American success story. He was a teenager leading a rebellion against Saddam Hussein. Really? Dude, this story is crazy. And I've known him for a couple of years. And it was the first time he actually sat down with me and gave me the story. And I was like, dude, this is insane. Yeah, I'd love to listen to that. 100%. Led a rebellion, found himself a refugee, made him his way to America. And today he drives a Porsche. Today he... <laughs> The American success story. I call him the uh, the Iraqi Bruce Wayne. Uh, he is very much that guy. It's an amazing story, and I hope you go check out that story available wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm Rod Rodriguez. That was Jack Murphy. This was The Back Brief. I will see you next week at the next episode. Thanks, Rod. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.